I, I tell you, you know, the way God has made me, um, I'm not blaming him. I'm just telling you, you know, it's, it's part of uh, how God has wired me, uh, you know, to be an extrovert. Um, I'll talk to people, you know, even at other places. Uh, when, I go, when I go somewhere, if you're in an elevator with me, uh, generally I will talk to you. I remember one time I didn't talk to uh, the people in the elevator because somebody beat me to it. Uh, I got in the elevator. So when Barb was in the hospital, I got in the elevator with two other ladies, um, probably somebody in their 30s maybe, and then someone else that was probably, well, certainly seemed to be much closer to my age. And as they got in and uh, the older lady looked at the younger lady and said, oh, when are you due? And the uh, younger woman said, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I didn't say anything on that elevator ride. I, did, I didn't talk to anybody. I just kind of stepped back into the corner and thought this could get interesting. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, I, I'll, but I'll talk to people. I'll talk to you know, people I've never met before, strangers. Uh, they, no matter where I am, a grocery store, anywhere else, sometimes, um, sometimes my family would rather I didn't, but uh, sometimes I, I will anyway. Even if they might rather I didn't even notice they were there. Now often, quite often, they'll engage me in conversation. Even if it's simply to acknowledge the fact that I said something and, um, you know, that they hope that they, you know, that might be the end of the conversation and can get away. Now, I was thinking about that. I was, I was working on this sermon because uh, I think God is an extrovert. Now, not, not because I am, you know, not because I'm an extrovert. I, I just think God is an extrovert. I think he, he reaches out uh, first. He takes the initiative. Our scripture tells us that in several different places. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. You see, God, God is, is reaching out even through creation. Paul tells us that again in Romans also. It says, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. God reaches out, and he reaches out to people first. Uh, Romans chapter 5, it says, God proves his own love in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were, while we were in the midst of doing the things that put him to the cross, he went to that cross for us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. First John, we love because he first loved us. You see, first, he takes the initiative. He reaches out. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, certainly one of the re- reasons God reaches out to us is, you know, that, that we will respond to him. Uh, you know, when, when I talk to people, I kind of assume they'll at least respond, if nothing else, with a smile or, you know, nobody's hit me yet. Uh, that's been good, you know, but, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I think what God is looking for, you know, is we respond to him not simply acknowledging his efforts and his presence, but to actually begin a relationship with him. 
an ongoing, growing relationship with him. That's what, you know, that's, that, that's what a relationship with God is. A relationship, think about it, you know, it's begun, it's built through communication, exchanges of ideas, thoughts, feelings, desires. The deeper a relationship is, the more we can share ourselves openly. The deeper a relationship is, the more we can share ourselves openly. And the more we share ourselves openly, the deeper a relationship grows. They, they feed one another. That's how, you know, those of you who are married, that's how you got to that place. By being open with one another. And as you are open with one another, you know, as, as you're open with one another, the relationship grows deeper. And as that relationship grows deeper, then you're more apt to be more open with one another. At least that's the way it should be going, in a, you know, in a marriage. They feed one another. You know, for a relationship to grow, communication needs to be two-way. It needs to be a sharing our thoughts, our desires, you know, et cetera. And listening, and listening to the other's thoughts and desires and feelings. It's this whole two-way thing. You know, if we only have one-way communication, that's more of a slave-master relationship, one-way communication. And I think that's the relationship too many people have with God. Maybe not intentionally. At least I certainly hope it's not intentional. But I think that's the relationship many have with God. You know, too often the relationship with God that we build is one with God, that we are the masters and he is the slave. That's the relationship we too often build. Now, if you think I'm wrong here, just think about your prayers for a minute. Think about the way you pray. Are your prayers mainly telling God what you want, what you feel, what you think? Or are your prayers asking God, God, please tell me, you know, please tell me what, what you think. Help me to understand you more, God. Which way, you know, what percentage of your prayers are asking God what he wants in every situation? What he wants, you know, in, in, in what you're facing? You know, what percentage of your prayers are thanking him for all that he has done and is doing for you? You know, are we entering into that master-slave relationship where we pray to God as if we're the master and he's the slave who should do our bidding? Well, we are still in this series, you know, that I'm, I'm with him. Uh, a question we need to honestly look at today, you know, is do my prayers reflect that I'm with him? Does my communication with God reflect the fact that I'm with him? Let's pray. Now we're going to get into our text for today. Father, thank you that you uh, do listen to us. Thank you that you are a God who is open to us. Thank you that you are a God that reaches out to us. When I think about it, I, I, I really wasn't searching, and you reached out to me. And help me to realize what I did need, that I do need this relationship with you. You help me to realize, even after that relationship started, that you are God, and I am not. I gave you so many reasons to turn your back on me and leave me alone, and yet you didn't. I'm very grateful for that. I ask that now today you would continue to open our minds, our hearts to you, that we would see and understand more your will, your way, 
that we would understand your heart, your being, your compassion for us. When I read scripture and it says that we fear you. Lord, I don't think you want us to stand here shaking in our boots because you're going to strike us down. But rather it's, well, what we saw a little bit in that kid's video. That reverence, that respect for you and who you are. I'll make your word real, not just words on a page, but connect them to hearts and what's going on in lives here, again, as only you can do, Father. Guide us deeper into a relationship with you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start in Second Chronicles chapter 7. That's where we've been looking. So if you want to turn there, Second Chronicles chapter 7. As, as he mentioned in that kid's video, is after years of planning, years of preparation, first by David and then by Solomon, the temple of the Lord was finally built, not out of Legos, but, uh, you know, it was finally, you know, that the temple finally came together. They celebrated with a week-long dedication, sacrifices. Solomon led the people in prayer. Look, actually, start at chapter 6, back up to, drop down to verse 21 of, of Second Chronicles chapter 6, really. Uh, we'll start there. Uh, and this is part of part of Solomon's prayer there. He says, Hear the petitions of your servant and your people Israel, which they pray toward this place. May you hear in your dwelling place in heaven. May you hear and forgive. Then he continues to pray. The dedication service goes on. It's followed by a festival, a celebration of a festival, and that's all over. Then God comes to Solomon with his answer to prayer. That's down in chapter 7. Drop down into chapter 7 and all the way down to verse 12. Of Second Chronicles chapter 7. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night, see, here's the answer, and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I close the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now we're going to pause there because we're not going to get any further than than that today. We began looking at it two weeks ago. Solomon asked there in chapter six, Lord, please hear your people when you pray. Hear God answers, and part of his answer is, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their evil ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at this first part of this here of God's answer, if my people will humble themselves. And uh, we're really not going to say much about that at all today. If you want to, the sermon's online, if you want to hear what that was about. Uh, but today we're going to move on to the next word in the verse, in the Holman Christian Standard anyway. It says, you know, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray. Pray, it says. Prayer is not simply us telling God what we expect him to do. It's not even, it's not even simply, it just, it's not even only us expressing to God what we would like to see him do. You know, it, requests can certainly be part of our prayers. He tells us that, you know, but it shouldn't be the only element of our prayers. Uh, you know, I think some of you want to have a good, I think some of you want to have a great relationship with God. Think of someone else you want to have a great relationship with. 
You know, think of what, you know, in order to establish to build that, you talk to each other. You talk with each other. Key word there is with each other. Those people that you, you want to know, that you want to build a relationship with, you, you, you talk with them. You don't simply talk at each other. You know, I, I've seen conversations, I've been in conversations where I realize we're just talking at each other and this is getting nowhere. You know, this is dumb. This isn't a conversation. This is two people expressing, you know, their, their opinions, their thoughts, you know, they're talking at each other. You know, but the conversation, you know, the, this this whole two-way thing, you know, you, you talk and you both talk and you both listen. That's part of, it, it's two-way communication. Prayer should be part of a two-way conversation between us and God. We always think of it as one. The part we miss, the part we often miss with prayer is the listening part. That's the part that we often miss. Uh, you know, today we're going to look at, we're going to look in James chapter 4. So in, in James chapter 4, what, what I see there, you know, three factors of prayer to help us better communicate with God. Now by that I don't mean, I don't mean ways to get God to better hear us. What I'm talking about is ways that I believe will help us better hear God. Help us better really communicate with God. You know, ways we can interact with Him. Through that two-way communication, turn to James four if you haven't. You know it's there. Uh, James is such a clear, practical book. I, it is one of my favorite books. He's clear. He's practical. Um, you know, I, I think if he were standing there speaking to some people, would say, "You're rude. You're blunt." No, he's clear. You know, he's clear here. And in the fourth chapter, I see some factors of prayer. If we pay attention to him, I believe he's going to help us. And our time, our communication with God, come, that it'll help our prayer time come more alive. I really believe that and help strengthen our relationship with God. Follow along. Verse 1 says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. Right there. there there's a, there's, you know, what becomes clear right away is that we should pray. You know, I mean, we, we should pray. Prayer should be a part of every Christian's life. Everyone who has a relationship with God, prayer should be a part of that. You know, if you say you have a relationship with God, you, you know, you should pray. It says you, you don't have because you don't ask. That's why I said, you know, requests certainly are a part of prayer. Uh, you know, what relationship do you have where you don't communicate? You don't have one. Those you don't communicate, you don't have a relationship with. Remember, prayer is always a two-way conversation. We talk to God and we listen to God. Listening to God is sometimes where we get confused. Now, just for the record, I have never, personally, I have never heard God audibly speak to me, you know, as a voice from heaven. I have never heard that. Some people say they have and good that's just not the way god's but i have heard god speak to me i have heard god speak to me through others you know so in that way have i have i heard well yeah i have you know even last week his brother paul was sharing you know and he was sharing with us on worship and it was good and i was hearing god speak to me you know and even even sometimes just in conversations somebody will say something and and it's you know like god is 
sometimes very clearly answering one of my prayers. They're giving me some wisdom, direction about him. He also talks to us through his word, the Bible. You know, the Bible, we refer to it often as the word of God, and, and that's what it is. And I was... Uh, John Gonser and I were communicating a little bit this week, and he's in, he's in some of the chapters of the Bible. He just finished some of the chapter, or books of the Bible that are um, very nod-worthy. In other words, you read them, you know, and you go, if you wonder what I'm talking about, get into Deuteronomy, get into Leviticus, and some of it's like, whoa, dude, you know, it's, uh, and I have to ask myself, but God, why'd you put this there? You know, why, why was this something, you know, why was this something you, you felt we needed to see, that we needed to hear? And it's helped me, you know, to get into those a little bit more. God also speaks to me through circumstances, mine as well as other people's. If you if you aren't learning by other people's experiences, you really need to start. Why would you want to go through all that stuff yourself? I mean, really. Why would you want... My brother had to learn everything the hard way. You know, and, and it, it just didn't go well. You know, but learn by other people's mistakes. You don't want to make them all yourself, do you? I mean, why would you? Why would you? You know, so it's one of the way God speaks to us. You know, through that inner witness of his spirit with my spirit. Uh, those are harder, you know, sometimes, but sometimes they're very clear too. Uh, God is very clearly speaking to me. You know, and sometimes it's through my conscience. Why do you think, what do you, you know, part of what do you think part of your conscience is for? The problem is we're not listening. You see, God is speaking. God's communicating. The problem is we're not listening. You should pray. There is no reason, really, that you cannot pray other than you choose not to. Set aside your excuses. Pray. Do it. Talk to God. You know. So we should we should pray. You know. How should we pray? What what is it we should pray? what is it we should be aware of uh, when we pray for the, the rest of these verses here in this chapter? Give us some guidance here. Pick up verse three, James chapter four, verse three. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your evil desires. Adulteresses. That's someone who's unfaithful. Adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it is without reason that the scripture says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore... Submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. We're going to pause there for a minute because the first factor here, you know, that, that he talks about here, I, I think, is, you know, your motives. You know, be aware of your motives for prayer. What is prompting your prayer? Why are you, why are you praying? Often, you know, it, it can be because we want to plead our case before God. God, you might, you know, perhaps you're not seeing all of this. I remember, <laughs> I remember praying one time. I remember exactly, you know, where we were. Ginny and I left for uh, our vacation. We headed toward Colorado. Marcy was four months old. Uh, Ginny and I were in a Datsun pickup truck. For those of you who don't know what a Datsun is, it's a Nissan. Isn't it? That's what Dotson is, Nissan. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, it was a tiny little pickup truck. 
It didn't have, you know, there was no such thing as a crew cab, club cab, none of that stuff. So it was just a little pickup truck. I had a cap on the back of it, and we threw a mattress in the back, threw all our junk for this trip. We were going to be camping in the back, and um, this was in the good old days of, I don't even think they had infant seats at that time. Um, Marcy spent a lot of time on the floor of, on the passenger side, looking up underneath the dashboard. She had a wonderful trip. Um, she was only four months old. We stopped. We made it as far as St. Louis. Just got through St. Louis that first night, and it was dark. And you know, thought, okay, we need to, you know, we need to find a place. So we found a camp camp place. On my second lap around St. Louis, it's like, oh, must have missed the exit. I've seen this one before. So we went around again until we found the exit. Got off and got to the camp place and uh jenny stood outside in the chill it was in october now we're heading for colorado in october camping with a four-month-old genius and so um you know as we're as we're doing this um jenny's standing outside holding marcy and i am unloading all the stuff off of the mattress we shoved in the back of the pickup truck and loading it into the passenger compartment so that we can get in and sleep on top of the mattress. Marcy was cold. She starts crying and continued crying and crying and screaming. And we're in, so we get it and we get in this camper and it was, it wasn't a camper. It was a little cover, you know, the top of the, the thing. And I couldn't even sit up in there. And Marcy's screaming and it's echoing off the walls. And I, and I remember praying, God, can't you hear her? Too many of our prayers fall into this thing about God, you know, aren't you paying attention? Let me inform you. Let me help you see what's going on here, Lord. You know, and you know, you know, is, is that, is that what we, you know, is that what we're praying? You know, when, 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 when we pray. When Jesus taught his followers to pray, you know, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And part of what he taught them, notice what he says right up front. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. That's part of what we talked about last week with humble yourselves. Realizing the position of God when you realize who God is, you know, that, that it's not putting ourselves down. It's when we see who God is and we realize he is up here and we're down here. Not, not the other way, you see. He says, our Father, you know, in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a good prayer for it right there. Your will, Lord, not, not mine. I'm not asking you to do all my stuff. I want to know your stuff more. Our motive, our motive there, you know, should be to see his kingdom come and his will be done. His will be done. Did you get that? His will be done. And his kingdom come. Those living, really isn't isn't think about that now. Isn't that what what the the verse we've been looking at in Second Chronicles seven? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, that's part of your kingdom come, Lord. That those who claim to have a relationship you with you will begin living in your kingdom, will begin living under your authority. There's the kingdom. A kingdom is those who are living under the authority, the reign, and the rule of the king. Your kingdom come. May they be more that are living under your rule, your reign, your authority. If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked way. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as you're praying, you know, ask yourself, how does what I'm praying fit about with his kingdom coming? How does what I'm praying square with your will for me, God? Does what I'm praying honor God or does it put the focus on me? You know, you want to know God's will and know his word, the Bible. You want to know his will, know his, know his word. You know his word, the Bible, you're going to know the, the you're going to know 99% of his will. You know, if you know what his word says. The Bible tells us a lot about what his will is. Ephesians chapter 1 says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Part of his will is laid out there for us right there that we be holy, blameless, that we be living as his children. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient with you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. His will is that people would turn from sin and come to a relationship with Jesus. That's part of his will very clearly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Part of his will is that we be thankful people, marked by thankfulness. Not simply, you know, but that we be people known for our thankfulness. There's a good one for you. Are you someone who is known for your thankfulness to God and to others? Are you someone who is known as a thankful person? You know, the Bible not only tells us much about what his will is, it also tells us what God's character is. It tells us what pleases him. Ask yourself, are your prayers in line with his will? Are your prayers in line with his character? Is that, is that part of how you're praying? This is right in line, really, with some of the some of the passages that some like to use as an excuse for more selfish prayers. There are pastors, there are... I hate to use that word. You know, there are those who speak... Uh, and have ministries and uh, on television and other places that like to use these uh, as though God were at our beck and call. Uh, John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it for you. And that's where they stop. At least that's where they stop with their application. That we can ask God whatever we want, he'll give it to us. If you read the rest of the verse, he says, I will do it. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, God didn't give me what I asked for. Is what you asked for glorifying Jesus? Uh, John chapter 15. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Don't stop there. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You know, it's something, you know, that we, we pray and we, you know, we can ask anything in His name. You know, praying in Jesus' name is not a magical incantation that you add on to the end of any prayer and then bingo, bango, all of a sudden, whoa, there it is, it works. That's not what it is. It's, it's not magical words that you tack on to the end of a prayer. In Jesus, praying in Jesus' name is the privilege of being able to pray in His name. Asking things outside of His will is an abuse of that privilege. 
And you cannot, ex- you cannot expect God to help you go against his will. We have a place set out in the backyard, and on the, on the place set uh, is, there's three swings. I have more than three grandchildren. So this afternoon, there'll be more than three grandchildren there, and what'll happen is kind of what we see, you know, on, on Sundays. They go out and they start horsing around out there and they're on the swings. And then one of them's just a little put out that they don't get a swing. And so they, you know, plead their case with whoever's on the swings and then they may decide and often they decide they're going to come in and talk to mom or dad. And so one of them comes in and, you know, talks to mom or dad about what's going on, you know, and then mom or dad says, Go out and tell your sibling to come in here. Now, if they go outside and they say, you know, hey, mom wants, mom wants you to come inside. Mom wants to talk to you. They are acting within that authority. They are acting within the authority that mom told them to do. If they come out there and say, mom said, get off that swing so I can have it. They have stepped outside that authority. You see, then they are using it for selfish purposes and they are stepping outside of that authority. Now, the difference, you know, the difference here in all of this is the one who's swinging on the swing really doesn't know what mom had said in there, really doesn't know mom's, you know, mom or dad's words to them. And they might be fooled because they don't really know their mother's wishes yet. Let me assure you, God does know his will. So simply praying in Jesus' name is not a magical phrase that gets you what you want, even if it's contrary to God's will. John you know, also tells us that, that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him. So when you ask anything in prayer, he immediately knows if it's truly in Jesus' name. He immediately knows if it's a legitimate use of that authority. It's not that he's going to give you every stinking thing you ask for. It's that we will get our lives more lined up with his will. James tells us here that we're not to walk according to this world, but we are to submit to his will. And he says it's going to be a battle. So resist. Resist the devil, he says. You resist. You resist any temptation to give in to something that is not within God's will. You resist any temptation that goes against God's word. That's part of his will. It's very clear to us. And to be able to properly resist, we're going to need to be able to stay in touch with God, the one who knows what's happening, the one who knows what's going on. The great promise you know, in verse 8 tells us you know, God wants an effort on our part He's going to respond to that effort. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, he wants an effort on our part. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He will respond to that effort. He goes on, he says, cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray. Turn from their wicked ways. Seek my face. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. The warning in verse 9 there in, in, uh, in James, it's the result of seeing things from God's point of view. When, when we see things from God's point of view, you know where he, he's, he talks about, you know, about, about wailing, uh, be miserable, mourn, and weep. 
your laughter must change to mourning, your joy you know, to sorrow. When we begin to see things according to God's will, we won't think, we won't think sin is so funny anymore. Watch a few programs on TV, you'll see what the world thinks is funny. And then see how that lines up with God's word. And what you will find is what the world often finds funny is is contrary to God's word, is contrary to God's will and God's way. And when you begin to know his will and his way more, you, you, you won't find these things so funny anymore. Be aware of your motives. You know, we need to pray to God with proper motives. Seek to know, you know, seeking to know his will, not simply to push our own self-serving agenda. Don't, do not expect God to help you go against his will. Do not expect God to help you go against his will. He won't do that. You know, and, and don't be walking according to this world, as it says, but walk according to his will. Resist the temptation to stray, even for a step. Let's go, let's go on. We're going to see we blast through this. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, uh, excuse me, there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will travel and do such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, what I see in these verses here, you know, is be aware of your viewpoint. Be aware of your viewpoint. Verse 10, you know, brings us right back to square one where we started two weeks ago. Humble yourselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humble yourselves, you know, right there. You know, start with your viewpoint of God. That's humility. Again, you know, listen to the sermon from two weeks ago. You'll understand more what I'm talking about when I say that here. You know, put God in his proper place in your life. Then you will have a better viewpoint of yourself. You know, you won't, you won't approach God demanding your way as if he owes it to you because you will realize that he is God. He has already given us more than we deserve in salvation. You are already overcompensated. You are already overcompensated. Through a little snafu, Marcy got paid more than she was supposed to a couple weeks ago. So Fort Wayne Community Schools sent her a letter and said, our mistake, it's all yours. No, they didn't. What they said is, we're just going to dock your next couple of checks to make up for this overcompensation. See, now God doesn't do that to us. With salvation, you are already overcompensated. You already got more than you deserve with salvation. Just by having a relationship with him, just by coming to him through faith and getting getting forgiveness, you've already received more than you deserve. Put that in your prayer and smoke it. But anyway, um, just a thought for you. His will is his will is number one. He lifts us up. We don't do it. The criticism spoken about in verse eleven, you know, and the judging and condemnation in verse twelve, that's a sure sign of lack of humility. You know, trying to elevate yourself by putting others down. If you have to put someone else down to make yourself feel better, just be quiet, go home, you know, and pray and look at all the things ways God has blessed you. Um, we 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 do this in regard to our Christianity sometimes, though. Well, you know. <laughs> 
I got to church more than he did this, this month, so I must be okay. You know, or I, I came, you know, he didn't. Uh, and we, you know, we, we can do this. We excuse our sin. We, we excuse our failures because, well, we're better than someone else. God, God never asks us to measure ourselves, you know, by what other people are doing. He tells us, you know, in our submission to God and His will, it's not measured against other people's actions or inactions. You, you, you will see that, you know, when you're true to God, you, you are living by God's will. You won't compare yourself to what someone else is doing, but you'll put, compare yourself to God's will, what God has laid out for you. Be aware of your viewpoint as you talk to God. Verse 13, follow along. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to, uh, to such and such a city. We read part of that and spend a year here or there, but it goes with the next point too. And do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life or what your life will be? You're like smoke that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is, is evil. So it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. You see, talking with God gets beyond, it gets beyond conversation. At least it should. It should get into our living. So be aware of your living. Your actions. You know, your, your actions. What, what, how is that living unfolding? Because it says right there, you know, it's a sin for a person who knows what is good, who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. Your actions, he's talking about there. You're living the way you're living your life. He says, you know, you need to, it, it, part of his will is that you live his life according to what it is you know about him and what it is he tells us. The way that we should be. You know, we're told there in verses, in these verses, you know, to put God's will, you know, before our own desires and we remain flexible to Him as we do. You who say today or tomorrow, I'm going to go here and there and do this or that. And you got it all laid out there for you. What this means is that we're in regular communication with Him. We're in regular communication so that as we go, we know if He wants to redirect us in any way. You know, we adjust our plans, you know, as we go, so we continually bring them in line with God's plan, with God's will. So it is a sin, he says, for the person who knows what good it is and doesn't do it. Ask. You don't need God to reveal to you what you already know. You, you don't need him to reveal to you what you already know. You already know he doesn't want you to lust. You know, so feeding that lust you know would be sin. You know, he says, that we should continue to meet together. So not to do that, you know, then he would be sin. He tells us not to steal. So then you know that, you know, that, that taking something that isn't yours is wrong. You don't need God to reveal to you those things you already know. That's not what he's talking about, you know, in these things. What he's talking about, you know, is that we begin applying what we already know. And as you continue to go to him in prayer, trust that he will make adjustments for you in the other areas as is necessary. And then you continue to follow him. I like what I read in a bulletin insert one time. It says, we need to pray, not that we might receive from God, but that our hearts might become one with his until God's perfect will becomes our will, until his priorities become our priorities. 
You know, sometimes the answer is long in coming and sometimes it comes quickly. Talk with God. Build that relationship with Him. When Ginny and I were dating, okay, it was the olden days, there weren't cell phones then. Not even big clunky ones. There was a phone, you know, some of you know this, some of you don't. We used to have phones attached to the wall. And behind that, there was a wire that ran through that wall out and up to these things. That You ever wonder why we call these telephone poles? We call them telephone poles because that's where the telephone lines used to run. And so there was a telephone line that pretty much runs to everybody's house. But there was a telephone line then that ran from my house in Calumet City, Illinois. Well, Lansing, where we started. In Lansing, Illinois, uh, to Ginny's house in Dalton, Illinois. And so what would happen is, you know, I would, I would talk to her on the phone. Then I would go and I would see her. I'd spend a day with her. And then we'd leave and I'd drive, you know, the 10, 15 minutes to get home. You know what I do when I got home? I got on the phone and I called her. My mom said, I always found it interesting. As soon as you got home from being with Ginny, you'd call Ginny. Well, yeah, I loved her. I still love her. I want to talk to her. I want to communicate with her. You say you love God. Does your communication with God show that you love him? Does your communication with God show that he matters? Does your prayer life reflect that love? Does your prayer life show you want to talk to him often? Often? There's a lot more we could say about prayer. You know, we could do this for several weeks. We're not going to. We're just going to kind of stop right here. Um, you know, when God's people humble themselves and pray, he will move mightily in the land. Now, what you really need to understand with this, when I say that he will move mightily in the land, here's why. Because when you humble yourselves and pray, when God's people humble themselves and pray, and as the verses go on, we're going to unfold more of this in the next couple of weeks, and they begin to, you know, to seek his face, they begin to humble themselves, we change. We change. We become more the people God wants us to be. And when those who have a relationship with God begin to become more and more the people God wants us to be, you know what's going to happen? Our country's going to be changed. I don't pray for, I don't pray for a specific person to win an election. I don't do that. You can do that fine. You can do that all you want to. That's irrelevant to me. Yes, there's people I think that would do a better job, you know, than others. What I pray for is, Lord, that your will be done. What I pray for is, Lord, that you, whoever wins, that you will surround them with godly counsel. Why? Because I want that person to come to know Jesus Christ and to begin to live according to what God says. My faith isn't in the person we elect. My faith is in God. When he says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
talk with God. Be aware of your motives. Be aware of your viewpoint. Be aware of your living. And the more you become aware of God's will, bring all of those things in line with God's will. And you will see him do great things in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. Now we need to live it. We can't just see it and talk about it and think that this is it. It's not. It's us being more in line with you and who you are and what you have to say. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. I thank you for your word and the things that you have taught me over the years, the things you continue to teach me. It's just, I, I, I just am amazed sometimes why I didn't see some of this before. I'll read something and you'll touch me and, and remind me of it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of the, well, your spirit, leading, guiding, directing. I thank you for the gift of others who have come alongside and have helped me to know you better, to understand you better. I want to walk deeper with you, Lord. I want my brothers and sisters here to do that as well. So I ask that you would draw them, draw them in a, in a clear way into that deeper walk with you that they might, that each one of us might more and more know not only what a great God you are, but the privilege of living our life with you. Guide us toward those ends we ask in Christ's name. Amen.